And it's about being connected to God, right? So let's, let's talk about this issue of being connected to God. It's a new season. Who's liking this new season already? It's September, for those who don't know. And it's back to work month, for those who do know. Yay! And um, we want to look at five G's of what it looks like to be connected to God. Five G. We're just we're recoining the phrase. But I want to look at this, this old word today of glorifying. And you probably think, what does glorifying mean? So... I would argue that we've never been more connected to each other. Would you agree with that statement? We've never been more connected. We look at technology. We can phone our friends, our family around the world. It's incredible. You can be in Barbados. They can be in Blackpool. And somehow you're talking like you're next to each other. It's incredible, isn't it? Um, But also, I think, social media. We get to see people's lives. We get to see highlights or showreels of what they're up to and the highlights and high points. And we feel like we know them. We feel like we're there. We feel like we're part of the journey, even though we haven't seen them for a while, perhaps. Connectivity. Transport. You can get on a plane and travel to almost anywhere in the world at any time in the day. Uh, Boats. Whatever else is transport. Buses. Bikes. Isn't it incredible? We're more connected to each other than we ever have been before. But we're also more disconnected than we ever have been before. Uh, you know, it, it, communication is becoming a real issue with younger people. I say that as an old man. You know, it's, it's becoming this real point of, you know, I'm used to the phone. And um, it's just different ways of communicating. But th- there's less proximity. Uh, and there's more uh, space between us. We're more high speed and busyness as opposed to deeper connection and monastic life. Monastic life is coined on the phrase from mono, which means uh, to uh, live kind of a, a singular life, to, to retreat from the world. Monastic living. So we renounce worldly pursuits and we uh, devote ourselves to the Christian life. The early desert fathers in the early Christian faith, they went hyper-monastic. So they would say goodbye to friendship, kiss goodbye to humanity for 25, 30 years. They'd go and live in a desert and they'd be spiritually obese. God, fill me up. This is about me. And, and of course, they'd be super holy, having all that time. But then we've almost come far the other, uh, too far the other way now where we are so busy, we rarely hear, or we find it hard to hear, the clear voice and call of God our Father. So how do we find a balance in a super busy lifestyle that shouts productivity over whatever I said before? Well done. So I've got a question for you this morning. An honest question. It's a deep theological question. Are you up for answering? I don't want any porky pies this morning. It's honest answer. Have you ever been out of phone signal? That feeling of deep frustration, where does it come from? That deep feeling of isolation, where does that come from? That feeling of nakedness, ever feel like that? My phone's not on me. You know, just this this idea of communication, being connected. I'm, I'm cut off. I'm no longer available. Those people are no longer available to me. It almost does something in us. Does it scare you for a moment? You kind of feel like when you get home and you recharge your battery or you get a phone signal again, you're like, yes, I feel alive again. Music comes into our ears. But actually, honestly, there's a real frustration with lack of connectivity. The Bible reveals to us throughout all of its pages, if you've read it, and I know loads of us have, 
um, that actually humanity has struggled from poor connectivity from day one. It's the story, isn't it, of poor connectivity, of being connected to God, but also to each other. And we read through its pages of people discovering voice, uh, God's voice, that actually through poor signal, that sometimes through the, the pips and the chimes, God speaks to a generation or he speaks to a situation. And suddenly there's real clarity for a moment, then they go busy working it out. And then again, there's years and moments of confusion, confuddledness, it's a real word. Or, God, you've been silent. Or, or God, I feel like communication is, is blocked again. I know I'm making sense this morning that for some of us, for all of us in the Christian life, it's just a real thing. Of Sometimes there are real seasons, and I hate saying it because I said seasons last week. There are our real seasons of, God, what are you up to? God, where are you? God, are you with me? God, do you understand? God, what's next? Would you just speak to me? Would you just speak? I had a deep theological question, a genuine one, earlier this week. And I was reading scripture. And uh, I chatted to Rick about it over breakfast this week. And I, I said, Rick, oh wise one, teach me your ways. What do you think about this? And Rick answered beautifully. And this was the question. So there's a bit in scripture where Jesus says, uh, you know, it's almost like this expectation piece that the dead will rise. I'm going to leave this one with you. The dead will rise. Keith, you're well engaged with this. I can see it. Bring it on. Elijah, bring me it. I'll give you it in Greek. Bring it on. There's a waiting period of of the dead are waiting, and they will rise again. Jesus' own words. But then also we see Jesus on the cross, and he says to the guy to his left, today you'll be with me in paradise. My question is this, do we wait or do we rise? Is there a waiting, or are we with him straight away? I'll leave that one with you. But this, why did I tell you that? What was the point? I don't know. But I read this this morning, and I want to share this with you. And it hit me like a punch in the gut. And it said, and then, and then, they nailed Jesus to the cross. And then they nailed Jesus to the cross. And they don't even try and pump it up in the Bible. They don't even try and give it some dynamic background noise. It's there in black and white with a full stop. Connection restored. Wow. 1 Peter 1 sums it up beautifully. It says this. It's on the screen as well. God the Father chose you long ago. And his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you've obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more. More and more. More and more. Grace and peace. Isn't that incredible? Just the way it sums up the gospel from another viewpoint, another angle. But there it is in black and white. Allow that to penetrate and permeate your spirit today. Allow it to fill you up. Allow it to give you purpose and meaning. And then nail Jesus Christ to the cross. But the blood of Jesus, it came and it gave us life. Those truths that I just said this morning... They speak of connectivity. Why? Because when we look at connectivity with God, I really believe for us it starts with glorifying. And glorifying is a dead old word, isn't it? Who uses glorifying these days? The only way I've ever heard glory explained before is glory, glory, man united. And even then I was like, what does glory even mean? But glory speaks of praise, to magnify, to, to, to worship, to lift up. 
And did you know that Jesus actually worshipped the Father? That he praised the Father? Isn't that interesting? Jesus said, you know, I, I want to go to the Father. The Father is good. Jesus, before he died, sang hymns. Wow. And the hymns were made up of psalms. Of five or six different psalms that they used to take the back ends of. And they used to piece together. And those psalms used to talk about the goodness of God. I'm praising you, God. I worship you. I magnify you. I glorify you. And I would argue that if we are lacking in poor connection today, or if we, are go, if we go through seasons of poor connectivity with God, the real way we combat that is by glorifying the Father. Because the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not I change. Do you change? Oh boy, do I change. You know, my emotions, they go up, they go down. How I feel is either all in or I'm not really bothered. But God, the Father says, no, no, I'm a constant. You're not a constant. So even in the con, even in your, your all overness, if you worship me in those moments, it'll bring us closer together. Jesus worshipped the Father before he went to the cross. And, uh, the words that Jesus used were, were, Father, if you can take this cup away from me, if, you, if this cup can pass from me, if, if, I, if I can be saved from dying, please let me. But equally, if it's your will, I'll do it. But in those moments, he was worshipping the Father. Father, I'm, I, I want connectivity with me and you today. You and I. And I know because you guys are in church today, you want connectivity with God too. Don't you? Don't, doesn't everyone want connectivity, uh, connectivity with God? I've spoken to so many people who say, uh, I'd believe in God if, if, he appeared here right now. I just, I'd, I'd believe in him. Well, of course you would. I mean, that's not in question, is it? Or I'd believe in God if, if, if he answered all my prayers. And this real material, physical being, nobody would argue. But we know through faith that we can approach God and say, Father, even though we don't see your works in our lives, all of them in full, we still choose to understand your promises. We know, one Peter, that the blood of Christ brings me closer to the Father. It brings connectivity. Is this making sense to anyone? And the apostles started many of their letters by praising God the Father. This is his character. Isn't it interesting that God isn't a God who has love, but God is love. It's his character. He is just love. It's not an attribute of who he is. God is love. And what flows from that today. And it's in this that we come to God. I've got a quick question for you. Fastest guess first. Points will be given. Um, so where is this in the Bible? If they kept quiet, the stones along the road would burst into cheers. Where is that found in the Bible? And who said it? Anybody know? It's okay. I mean, you know. Psalms. Okay, anybody else? Ezekiel, anybody else? John, anybody else? Luke, we're going to, yeah, perfect. We're almost there. So it's found in, well done. So it's Luke. Well done. Have you Googled that? Google. Put that phone away. <laughs> I bet you're one of those pub quizzes, aren't you? You're like this on the pub quiz under the table. Jesus. Jesus said this. Check this out. If they kept quiet... The stones along the road, Jesus said these words, would burst into cheers. Oh, I love that. Oh, that our church would burst into cheers. This idea of, somebody's got to praise me. I'm so good. God is such a good God. That if somebody or something in creation didn't cry out the truth and proclaim that, 
Like the little pebbles and the whatever at the beach, the big stones would sing. Isn't that incredible? Jesus came to show us the Father's work. His good, good work. That while we lived in darkness, a light came. One that will vanquish darkness. And this fact should cause us and give us recognition to the fact that he is good. It brings connectivity. Let's stay in Luke for our teaching scripture today. Luke 10 it's found in, but also in Mark 12, 29 says this. Jesus replied when some wise person asked him, you know, teacher, what is, what is the, 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 the most important commandment? Just tell me, sum it up for me. What do I have to do? And Jesus said this, the most important commandment is this. The Lord our God is the only one. It's the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is not secondary, but it's equally as important. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, we're to live with a posture of praise. Praise will raise the connection. I'll link with him. But isn't it true that connection is a choice? It's, it is, isn't it? it? Connection is a choice. So God is the same yesterday, t- today and forever. We've, we've discussed that. So if that's true, and I know that for my life, that for me it's a choice whether I feel that and I know that. So if that feels different in my life, if the connection feels poor, or feels like I've dipped out of connectivity for a while, is there something that's different in me? Has life got hyper-busy? Am I allowing time and those moments to hear? And isn't it refreshing when we hear the, God, the voice of God? Isn't it amazing? The, this morning I came down uh, and uh, about six o'clock-ish, and I, and I thought, and we've been, I've been trying to um, do that whole devotion piece each day. I've been talking about it for a few weeks. And as I walked into the kitchen, I'm doing this thing called protein Weetabix. Anybody else on those? Oh, they're good. They're great. They fill you up. Protein Weetabix. <laughs> anyway, I thought, I can't wait for my protein Weetabix this morning. I can't wait. I'm going to have three. I'm preaching. And as I got them in the bowl and I poured the milk on, I felt this prompt. And I know it says in the Bible, don't like display it around. I'm just saying, in all humility this morning, because I don't normally do this, I struggle with skipping meals. But I felt this real prompt out of nowhere to say, Fast. Oh, no. I'm going to have to test you on that, Lord. I don't, think, I don't think you would say that to me. I'm trying to bulk up. Lord, you know I want to be bigger. How's that going to work? Anyway, I said, do you know what, Lord? I, I believe you. I'm well happy to do it. I, I, the sacrifice is worth it. But you're going to have to prove it to me. <laughs> Here you have little faith. So anyway, I opened the Bible and, and I thought, God, do you know what I'm reading at the moment? So it's not even like I need to conjure anything or skip through until it comes to the word. Or I'm not going to just go, you know, hit, hit of hope. We've all done that, haven't we? Hit of hope. Love it. And, um, but I thought, you know what I'm reading? Let's see if, you know, if you are ahead of time here. So I read Jesus going to the cross. I was like, aha! There's nothing to do with food and intake there. There's nothing. Phew. So there it is. And I thought, I had something in my mouth. And I thought, I feel guilty. Before I, I take the swallow, I'll just, I'll wait. And then literally, out of the pages, Jesus refused the drink. Oh, you're joking. I dare risk it now. It's, it's too close to home. Okay. 
But out of nowhere, I felt like God called me to really pray for the church. Use the time. And I said to Joe, Joe, before you eat breakfast this morning, I feel like God's going to do something in church today. This idea of God speaking to us. Connectivity. And connection's a choice. Are we carving those moments and that time out, allowing him to speak to us? And I know we're all hungry for the voice of God in our lives, aren't we? The Father's voice. Just to feel close to him. That reassurance that whatever's to come, we're walking into blessing. Whatever to come, there's hope. Whatever's to come, that he is there ahead of us. So it's taking those moments. Connection is a choice. But also connection costs. And in mobile phone terms... All of us, I'm guessing, either pay between £10 and £100 a month on our phone bills each month. Am I right? If you get it less than 10 come and talk to me. You're a genius. But it, it costs, doesn't it? Connectivity costs. It costs us physically, money-wise, to be connected to the world. But equally, guys, it, it, it connects in kingdom terms as well. It costs in connecting, in growing in connection with God. It'll cost us in time. It'll cost us in energy, in money, in our self-made plans when we come to the Lord and say, God, you are amazing. God, I worship you. God, I, I just, I declare the truths of the Bible. I spend some time in Psalms and he sums it up better than I could. But also, God, I just, I wait for what you're going to do in my life. In, in church, he will speak. He will fill your life. He will fill your soul. He will fill you with purpose and what's to come. And it'll be better than any Weetabix in the world. But also, in the New Testament, we read a real example of this. And and, and it's so incredible that we don't even know her name. The Bible tells us she's nameless. But it tells us that she'll be put in front of us for generations to come. And it's true. Here I am talking about this woman today. Let's jump into uh, Mark 14, verse 3 to 9. And there's this beautiful story, beautiful story, of a woman. And it costs her to be in the presence of Jesus. Mark 14, 3 to 9. Is everyone there yet? You've beat me. Okay. Jesus anointed at Bethany. You might have read this many, many times, but it's a story about connectivity. It's a story about glorifying. It says this, And while he, who was Jesus, was in Bethany, which is about two miles east of Jerusalem, in the house of Simon the leper, As he was reclining at the table, a woman with an alablaster flask of of ointment of pure nard, which is very costly, and she broke the flask and she poured it over his head. That was actually worth a year's wages. I don't know how much she won. But imagine just in that one moment, a year's salary, just seeing this, this guy and seeing what's in him and who he is. And I know all of us would gladly give that, wouldn't we? But this woman ahead of time recognises this. And she poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the anointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold and, uh, for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they told her off. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. 
Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing for me. And he talks about in some uh, transcripts about being anointed ahead of his burial. Uh, And prophetically, this woman was just pouring stuff over him. And isn't it interesting how at the start of Jesus' life, he was anointed? uh, But also towards the end, he was anointed for what's to come. And it just reminded me about the season that we are in in September, which for many of us is back to the grind season. And having these moments at the table of finding fresh anointing. Recognising that Jesus, for the season that was for him, sought the presence and God granted the presence. And so in that act, she was preparing Jesus for what's to come. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing. For you will always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do a good thing for them. But you will not always have me. And of course, he wasn't saying, don't serve the poor. But he was just saying, actually, in this moment, there's a real time to recognize what is going on. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before the burial. And truly, I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. And we've just done it. What's her name? Who knows? What prompted her to get a year's salary and pour it over this guy? It was glorifying. It was finding connectivity to her saviour. And we too in this series of connectivity are going to look at these moments for us. These soul moments where we too can be connected to God. Knowing that those connectivity moments and points bring growth in life to all that's to come. And we have so many faithful people in our church who have been finding over the years moments of connection to God. Who model it through prayer, through service, through giving, through wanting people to come to faith. But equally, it's a renewal, isn't it? It's, it's a renewal of moments. That actually, Father, this morning I seek reconnectivity with you.